Hello, and thank you for spending some time with us today on the Priority Sale Podcast. I'm Jesse Lafine, and I am joined today by my colleague and fellow co-creator of the Priority Sale, uh, Mr. Mike Rendell. Hi, Mike. Hey, Jesse. Thanks for having me on again. Oh, it's my pleasure, as ever. Uh, we're here to talk today about uh, some of the things that we are uh, pinning on selling virtually. So what are we blaming uh, on selling virtually that might not really have the cause and effect that we think it does? Uh, so this, uh, it, it, it might get real for, for some of us. But I want to start here. Uh, Mike, I know that you've been a fan, actually, of uh, virtual meetings and selling virtually uh, for quite a long time to the point where uh, we've had meetings with people across town, uh, you know, where we actually preferred to do those over Zoom. So really quick, um, I want to start with some of the things that we actually like about the, the video conferencing medium. Yeah, Jesse, I am, I am a big fan of virtual meetings and, um, I have been for a long time in general, I find them to be more productive, uh, and I, I find them to stay on track better. Um, and I think that the, the dawn of, of zoom and, and the like that have made, uh, the video part of teleconferencing more, um, of a standard has really even opened that up more. There's nothing that I can't do in a virtual meeting, uh, that I can do in person at this point. Um, now, when we apply that to sales, I think there are some some differences. Uh, and sure, we're going to spend some time talking about things that are uh, harder, um, maybe some things that are easier. Um, but there's no doubt that um, if, if you say, I can't do this virtually, um, you're going to have trouble in the future because it is proving itself to be um, an effective and efficient way to have a meeting. Well, I think that's a really, really good departure point there because I think it's okay for us to admit to ourselves, Hey, I don't like this as much. I'd rather be in the room or it's okay for us to say, you know, this is different, but we hear a lot of salespeople right now saying this is too hard. I can't do it. Uh, and so really what I, I want to explore, um, some of the things that are, you know, challenges, some of the things that are a little bit different, a little more challenging, uh, in the virtual space than they are in the room together. And I think the, the first place for me, uh, that, that I always go to is really navigating feedback, understanding how the room is responding to you is different and probably harder in a virtual setting. Yeah, I think that's fair, uh, especially if everybody doesn't have their camera on, right? If you can't see everybody. Um, but, you know, as uh, humans as animals are designed to pick up um, a variety of different signals from each other when we're around each other. And a lot of those are lost in um, translation when we can't see our whole bodies or we can't see how one person actually physically reacts to another person. Uh, there are lots of cues um, to be seen when you're a good, an observant and good seller when you're in the room, right? Um, you, for instance, we talk a lot about um, an age-old sales trick is when you walk in, walk in the room um, and you start asking questions look at who everybody looks at first for a response, right? Everybody knows that that then is the decision maker, right? It's a lot harder to see that when everybody's in the same frame in the same Brady Bunch grid. Um, it's harder to see who's really in charge. 
But that's not to say that there aren't things that we can do to overcome that. I think gathering feedback is probably, it's, it's harder because it's different. Uh, simply going around the horn, asking people, you know, directly and frankly, often uh, how they're thinking about things, how they're seeing things, what they're feeling about uh, how things are going uh, can be done in a really professional manner and uh, gives everybody a chance to give that feedback. It's, it's just different. It is different. But it's also better, um, if you ask me, because I, I'm um, I'm a guy who seeks clarity in everything and in every interaction. And the more that I um, spend time educating myself on it, teaching others about it, the more I realize that, uh, in general, our guts aren't that good at this stuff. And um, when we assume that because of a person's reaction that they were really into what we said or understood what we said uh, because they give us certain visual cues, we walk out of the room uh, thinking we did a great job sometimes. And, and often we find out that that wasn't the case when we don't get the deal or, or whatever that may be. But what better way to liter than to literally ask somebody, Hey, Jesse, or Hey, Bob, what do you think of what I'm talking about right now? So we have to change our method per the medium, right? We, there are things that we can do to get over those. And, and, you know, I would invite everybody to say, all right, which things are harder for me to do in these calls? And instead of just saying it's hard, I don't want to do it, say, um, these are the things that I could change to be able to facilitate that. If I don't know, if my beef is that I don't know uh, when I walk out of the room, what everybody thinks, that's a pretty easy solve, isn't it? Just ask everybody what they think. Now that breaks some conventions that we're really used to, right? But the world's changed and we got to change with it. I think that goes back to preparing for any meeting, virtual or in person. If you don't understand the objectives of what you need to walk out of that room with, it's really hard to get there. And so I think a lot of times we walk out of a meeting and say, yeah, it went well. Well, why? Why did it go well? Was it because you found the priority and connected to it? Was it because you're both Red Sox fans? Was it because you liked the way that they nodded and whatever? I think having objective criteria of what you need coming out of that meeting is the only way to say afterward, it was a good meeting or it wasn't. Right. And, you know, when we, when we analyze it this way and dissect it, it, it demystifies the the experience a little bit, which I know everybody, not everybody loves, right? It kind of, it, it could be said that we're stripping out the art of selling, right? If, when we think about it this way, but it, it really does come down to doing the right things at the right time and having a procedure for how you want to run that meeting. And um, I'll tell you one thing you, that you can't do that, or at least I can't do on a, um, a web conference with um, video on is I can't show up and wing it anymore. Right. I used to be able to do that. I used to be able to walk in a room and, and really just fly by the seat of my pants, but there's a new expectation here when we show up to these meetings that um, we're going to, we're going to uh, present, we're going to have an agenda, we're going to stay on topic and we're going to get it done in the time that we set. Right. My, my web meetings almost never go over time. Right. So the, the, the ball game has changed a lot. Um, and I think another thing that is just, completely true is that you just can't rely on charisma anymore to get through these meetings. And you used to be able to crutch on that. That's 
a great point. And I think it really shows how content scrutiny is different and, and a, a real new issue uh, selling virtual too, in that uh, if you, as a great facilitator, show up with bad content, it sort of just sits on the screen in the back of the room. And it's not really that big a deal because it's not the focal point, but on a screen where you're tiny and your content's huge, showing up with bad content is a real, real problem these days um, that maybe, you know, wasn't uh, in, in the room and not for nothing, Mike, I don't think you ever should have shown up to any of those meetings and just wing it. But as somebody who has definitely done that as well, I, I think you're right. I think that there is an expectation of, uh, timeliness and, uh, precision, uh, via this medium. That's probably good for all of us, frankly. Yeah, no doubt. And, and you're right to, to call me on it. Um, <laughs> uh, like, I like I said, I've been there, man. <laughs> Right. We've all been there. Right. Yes. And, um, and it's because our personality, uh, our relationships, uh, and the way we handle selves, ourselves in the room, um, used to have more value to people, um, and used to have more sway, but those things don't have sway and, and don't influence people as much. And you're right. What does is, is the content now. And that content is front and center. Um, and without it, man, I think this is why so many people say their, their web meetings are a drag is they don't bring visual aids. They don't bring presentations. It really is just sitting and talking to a grid. And that is not, um, it's not conducive to the medium and it's, it's not conducive to the way business needs to operate at this point. I think as sellers, we often put probably even pre-video conference software at all, I think we may have always put a little too much stock in that charisma and in that sway and in all of that. And maybe some of the deals where we thought we were, you know, killing it because we had those things going for us, we missed the priority behind that and maybe should have been working a little bit more towards that and relying a little less on some of those intangibles uh, along the way. No doubt. And I think it's really easy to fall into a trap of thinking that relationships um, build trust, but that's not the way it really works, right? Trust is what builds relationships. And the way that we build business relationships compared to, to just our personal relationships uh, is very different, right? Um, and, and ultimately when it comes to a business relationship in 2021, the way I'm going to build that trust is by offering good prescriptions and good solutions. If I solve a problem, they're going to come back to me to solve another problem. If I show them, um, something interesting, they're going to come to me for more things that are interesting and they're going to see me as a valued resource, um, and, and not just, uh, you know, another salesperson. And that brings us to the very first thing and probably the most prominent thing that we hear most often, uh, a problem that we say is because we're selling virtually that I really don't believe is because we're selling virtually, which is I can't build relationships anymore. And I think you hit the nail on the head uh, when you said relationships don't earn you trust, trust earns you a relationship. And I think too many times sellers think, well, I've got to go earn the relationship first because that's how I build trust. But we know that trust is not, I mean, it, it can be derived from a relationship, but not necessarily, right? Um, uh, I saw this thing on social media the other day about two, two beers and a puppy, right? Um, 
Would I uh, like somebody enough to sit down and have two beers with them? Would I trust them enough to look after my new puppy? And I think that people fall into a yes, no category. People fall into a no, yes category. Uh, but relationships aren't always the same as trust. And uh, when it comes to being a trusted consultant, which is the direction every seller has to move to, uh, when it comes to being a trusted consultant, uh, that's really where you can start providing that value. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. And, you know, I don't, I don't know that this is as, as dark as we may paint it or as negative as we may paint it, the relationships don't matter anymore. Oh, I they think do. they matter. They, they absolutely matter. But the way you build a relationship and the nature of that relationship, I think it's fair to say it was always broken. Um, and, and we're seeing that more than ever. So when you take a, a several of these factors stacking on top of each other, um, that's really, that's the, the end result is what we're talking about here. It's not any one thing, um, but it, you know, when you, when you take the fact that you can't get feedback the same way, you can't um, have a connection when you shake a hand um, or you can't, um, you know, have lunch before or after and, and build these personal relationships, you get down to what really matters and that's the relationship between the person that has a problem and the person that's there to solve it. And I think, you know, we talked about this the last time I was here. I think that's, there's something really pure and honest about that, that I really appreciate. Um, because when I show up, um, I, sh I show up to solve a problem. It, it doesn't matter who I am or, or what I do on the weekends. Um, if I have a solution that is there and it's going to fix their problem. That is why they should consider me um, first and foremost. Uh, I'll, I'll go a slightly more cynical route, uh, but to uh, do so in, in very much agreement. Um, I, I would say that that lunch seems really important to us to quote unquote, build that relationship. But am I having lunch with somebody who, I don't know, has uh, an interest in recreational fly fishing, or am I having lunch with somebody who is a trusted business advisor who's there to help me solve my problem? Like those are two very different conversations and one is way more beneficial to the sale than the other. Exactly. And frankly, I mean, I like a lot of the people that we work with and sell to, uh, like many of them very much, but I've, I've got a network of friends that I can talk to, but my hobbies, uh, that suffices just, just great. And I really... Uh, don't need that cadre of prospects out there to sort of validate my interests. Yeah. And I certainly have a, a, a group of people that I've become uh, friends with by doing business with them. Um, but the ones that stick around are on, are only the ones that I actually solved problems for. Sure. I never talked, I, I never talked to anybody that passed me by uh, or didn't buy what I was selling. Right. So I don't know. I, those relationships are important for the human experience. And, and I don't mean to discount any of that. Uh, but when it comes to uh, what we're here to do and what our jobs are and what our responsibilities are as salespeople, um, the number one thing in the core of all of it is we are there to provide solutions and to match our solutions to a company's uh, priorities. And um, when we do that and stay to that, we're better sellers, we're better solution providers. Um, and, and, you know, it's cliche, but we truly make the world a better place. One of the other, uh, issues, uh, that I, I hear getting pinned on selling virtually a lot is this idea that I've, I've got a physical product. 
Uh, I can't get that physical product into the room and put it on the table and let my prospect interact with it. I contend that this is a problem that is nothing to do uh, with virtual selling. Yeah, this is, this is an interesting one for me. Um, uh, you know, it's, I, I think that's, that's, um, I think there's a lot of false positives in that situation, right? Where you bring something in, you put it on the table, people touch it and they like the surface or they, they compare it to something else. Ooh, this is better than that. This is, you know, whatever it may be. I like the way this feels or, or I like the way this looks, or this is smart. Those are all false positives because they're, they're connecting directly with um, um, chemistry in the room, right? They're, they're triggering things that are natural responses um, that may not be permanent in any manner. Just because I liked the way it felt uh, when it was in the room, when I go back and I look at the data that surrounds it, the, the job it does, its comparison to other products, et cetera, does the way it, the way it felt when I touched it matter as much, right? So, you know, I, I think, again, I think we get a false sense of security um, by the way people react to the tangible um, because that doesn't fully solve the, um, their whole problem. Does that make sense? It does. I think the the demo sale, by and large, is is sort of a relic. Um, and the the reason I say that is, if you think about selling pre-internet, we were information shovelers, right? Like the prospect couldn't get information about the thing that they needed to buy. They contacted the salesperson early, uh, contacted them often. Uh, we, our value as salespeople before the internet was to provide information. That's not the way the world works anymore. Uh, we need to pivot and become trusted consultants that provide insights, not information. Now, I want us to think about going into the room and whether you know it's a software demo and I put it up on a screen or it's an actual physical thing like a tool, say, and I put it down on the table and I let people interact with the tool and touch it. Um, can you imagine a trusted business advisor, a consultant who is relied on to give us insight about how to run our business, walking into the room and just plopping something on the table and saying, have a look. No, unless it's like, you know, totally game changing the best product ever made. <laughs> maybe when, maybe when the guy showed up with the, the, the first bread slicer. Okay. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like it's got to be pretty outstanding, right? And and change a paradigm, and you have to see it see it work. But most of the stuff that we're talking about isn't that way. Um, and and those things don't solve business problems. Even in that, even in the bread slicer example, right? That may have blown everybody's mind. This is a, a funny boardroom to imagine in my head, right? <laughs> uh, where where they they put the loaf down and they cut it, and and everybody's like, holy crap. But the reason that they really, that business should really care about it is, wow, that just cut out seven steps out of our production or, or wow, this delivers a consistent experience for our people. Those are, that's solving business problems, right? And that's what really matters. And, and that's what solves pains, right? And, and those pains are, are priorities. And, um, and we got to align to those things, not just the wow factor. So one of the other things about the demo cell, and, and this ties back to what we talk about a lot on uh, this podcast and, and what we talk a lot about with the priority cell is, is really um, the demo is, is the straightest path to a features and benefits uh, 
dialogue, right? Um, and that's why we we don't like it, right? Um, it relies on on the product rather than the solution, and we know um, we can't say it too many times that um, the features don't matter, the solutions do. The pains you solve are what matters, um, and that's going to get you to a decision faster um, than anything else. And now it is time for my favorite segment in which there uh, are only wrong answers and my opinion. Is this a thing? Mike, today we are here to talk about natural salespeople. You've heard this time and time again. Oh, well, Frank is, well, Susan is just a natural, right? She's so good at this. She's been doing this for such a long time. She just has that thing that I will never have. Are natural salespeople a thing? Maybe, but no. Um, yes, people have uh, inherently have good conversation skills, good communication skills, a good aura about them, uh, whatever. But what I don't like about um, that that uh, moniker or that that notion that oh they're just natural is it totally strips away all the hard work that they have gone through and all the preparation they've done. Um, and really, I think it's a crutch for per a person who says they're just a natural more than it is uh, a real statement about that person. So I know that's a really kind of pessimistic thing, but I call bullshit on it. Uh, nobody gets there without working to get there, right? Malcolm Gladwell wrote a whole book about it. And, and a lot of people um, buy into that logic because it's true. Um, nobody just can get up there and do it without actually trying. You, uh, you said one of the greatest things, one of the greatest responses I've ever received. Uh, this is a, a few months ago. Uh, I said, wow, that only took you five minutes. And you said, oh, I love this. No, it didn't take me uh, five minutes. It took me 20 years plus five minutes. I, I love that. I absolutely love that. Uh, I agree with you. And so that is the right answer that I think being a natural salesperson uh, is, uh, is really not a thing um, for, I think, two reasons. Number one, that sort of assumes that there's only one type of prospect in the universe. And this person is so naturally gifted at interacting with that one prospect, right? That they just have an it thing and boy, all of their prospects must have the exact same priority. All of their prospects must have the exact same personality. All of the prospects must have the exact same buying process, et cetera, et cetera. And I just don't believe that can be true. Now, obviously being part of uh, being a really good seller is being able to navigate different situations. Uh, and I think a lot, a large part of that skill set is really just good prep. I think the people who are quote unquote natural may have a little bit of a shortcut and that they've dealt with procurement that has this concern, you know, 15 times before, and they know exactly how to tackle it right away. But to your point about 20 years plus five minutes, I think that just comes with experience, but that experience can be shortcut with prep and understanding where this sale is going to go and what is going to need to happen uh, can make you look just as natural as anybody who can navigate that stuff just on their own. The other thing I'll say about naturals that we find a lot is that the person who is the quote unquote natural, A, has a ton more experience and has been around that company forever. And so they do have those experience shortcuts. 
What that also tends to mean, though, is that they are given the big accounts to go after, that they are the ones who were in the right place at the right time to take advantage of a vertical or, uh, you know, a, a trend in the industry uh, when they were the one assigned to that account in the first place. So this idea that there is some sort of inherent talent in selling to me that some people are better at than others is just really hard for me to digest. Yeah, you don't you don't get anywhere without uh, practice and and discipline and um, and you know you see this. There there are a lot of good sellers in the world, and there are a lot of good sellers at every company we deal with. Um, and 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 like I said, they have a natural they have natural communication skills, or they understand things really well. But um, they don't do it without without rehearsing, um, without getting feedback and improving on it. The, I find that the, the really like killer sales people that I deal with, I found this surprising when I first started selling was that they literally look in the mirror and practice their, their pitch that they every morning run through their elevator pitch. Um, and that every time they, um, they give a presentation, they ask those people around them, how did I do? And everybody says, Oh, you did great. But they say, yeah, but how did I do in this section and this section? And when I was transferring from this, you have to get in and you really have to dissect it like anything else, right? You have to practice. Um, you have to watch your game film um, and you have to put in the hours to make yourself better. And so just, because, say, just because somebody's a great communicator doesn't mean that they're a great listener. It doesn't mean that they're uh, great at all of the other skills. And so we all have deficiencies that we have to work on uh, and we all can and should work on those things. And I just refuse to believe that of the five and a half million salespeople in what is it, the United States or North America or whatever it is, uh, those five and a half million people, there's only a select few that really quote unquote have it. Uh, and that the rest of us are just sort of, you know, never going to get there. Uh, so I, I think I think we're very much on the same page here. I, th I think we need like a like a sad noise for all of these not a things that we're handing out. But being being a natural, not a thing. Not not a thing. You can find out more about the priority sale by visiting thepriorityseal.com. That's also where you can go contact us to tell us your thoughts or why our opinions are very bad. Or if you heard something you like and think others would like it too, share us with a friend or give us a rating on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Priority Sale is produced by Tiffany Jordan and Jesse Lafine. Editing and original music by Mark Hurdle. Priority Sale is a registered trademark of Revenue Path Group Incorporated, all rights reserved. <laughs>